Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The message for this day rises up out of that gospel reading read just now from Matthew chapter 14. Please be seated. So as is our custom, um, so that you can understand and hear me a little bit better, I'm going to take off this mask. And as I shared with PJ, our lay assistant this morning, it is a multi-stage process because I've got not one, not two, but three different things going over the backs of my ears here, my glasses, my face mask, and the over-the-ear microphone. But success, it's off. So if I'm fumbling around during the creed up here, trying to get this thing back on, that is why. So this past week, we saw once again the power of wind and wave with Hurricane Isaias uh, churning up the East Coast. And although we did experience here some wind and, and rain in our own area, we were largely spared the terrible devastation that such a storm can leave in its wake. And for this, we give thanks and praise to the Lord even as we remember in prayer the many people and places who suffered tremendous loss. It goes without saying that all of this is compounded by COVID-19 restrictions already in place. And we pray that the Lord would have mercy on those whose homes and livelihoods have been impacted or destroyed those who have lost loved ones. And may all of us then look to what we can do to provide help and support, not only through our prayers, but through relief agencies that even now are on the ground providing hope and help with our financial contributions and donations. It's not a storm per se, that we read about in today's gospel lesson. But there is still danger out on the open water of the Sea of Galilee, battered by the winds and the waves in the darkness of night. Jesus came to those disciples and met them where they were with these blessed words. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Jesus' words serve as the basis for today's sermon under the theme, Do Not Be Afraid. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching, the hearing, and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. Today's gospel lesson picks up where last Sunday's left off. Remember the gospel lesson for last Sunday? Hmm. <laughs> the feeding of the 5,000. So having fed the crowds uh, with five loaves and two fish, having dismissed those 5,000 plus people and sent them on their way, Jesus now retreats for some personal quiet time and prayer. And in so doing, Jesus sets the example for you and for me today. 
We all have busy days, don't we, where we just seem to be going from this to that to the other thing, on and on it goes. We got to do this, we have to take care of that, and we kind of meet ourselves coming and going. And sometimes it's not just one day, it's days, weeks. It can be an entire season, an extended period of time. How do you get through that? If Jesus himself needed quiet time apart to be with his heavenly Father, how much more for you and me today? That is where strength and blessing are to be found in that quiet time with our heavenly Father, to be in his word where he speaks to us and then in response to what he has said to us in his word, we speak to him our prayers, praises, and thanksgivings. This is to be well grounded in faith and life so that with God's help, we are able to endure the storms of life. Time-wise, in the gospel lesson for today, it's very early morning, between 3 and 6 a.m., which would have been the fourth watch of the night. The Romans designated four night watches, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., watch number one, 9 p.m. to 12 midnight, watch number two, 12 midnight to 3 a.m., watch number three, 3 to 6 a.m., watch number 4. That's what's going on time-wise right now. And no doubt the disciples were beyond tired after a very long day. We're told that they were a long way off from the land, beaten by the waves because the wind was against them. And the original language here is a little more specific. We're told they were many stadius. Stadius is the plural for stadion, where we get our word stadium. It's a unit of measure, some 607 feet long, about one-eighth of a mile. And there many stadius out on the open water, so they were a long way from the land. And they were struggling. No outboard motor to rely on, just hard rowing and rowing against wind and wave, making little, if any, headway. And in their weakness and in their weariness, the Lord Jesus comes to them in a way that is amazing, unexpected, surprising, walking on the water. Now, wouldn't we freak out if we saw something like this in the middle of the night on the open water? You can better believe we would have been scared out of our wits and we would today as well. We are no better than those disciples were. We'd be crazy with fear and dread. But this is no ghost. This is Jesus 
Son of God, Son of Man, who is Lord of heaven and earth, at whose word the forces of nature, demons, even death itself, must submit. And in our own lives, when we have been rowing hard against circumstances of life, when we feel like we're getting nowhere, we're making no headway in our weakness and in our weariness, Jesus comes to us. And he comes not to condemn. Try harder. Put your backs into it. Pain is gain. Jesus says no such rubbish like that. He comes not to condemn, but to save. He comes with words of blessing. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter becomes a spokesperson for all of the disciples, for us as well, as he calls out, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. But as Peter finds out, as we all find out, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus invites Peter to take that bold step of faith and come to him walking on the water as he himself is walking on the water. And as impossible as this all seems, contrary to the laws of nature, we're told Peter walks on water and comes to Jesus on the water. How do we explain this? We don't explain it from a scientific standpoint because science does not support such a thing. We speak from it from a perspective of faith which is able to transcend what seems impossible. But then Peter is suddenly overcome by fear as he looks around. He sees the winds and the waves and he starts to sink. And isn't that true for us as well? We want to believe and we do believe, but we are earthbound mortals subject to fear and sin and death. And despite our best intentions, we shift our focus away from Jesus to all of the circumstances around us. We no longer see Jesus. We only see the winds and the waves that are going to pull us down and destroy us. And as Peter cried out, we also cry out with that simple but profound prayer, Lord, save me. When we feel like we are going down in the middle of all that is swirling around us, situations and circumstances that seem bent on our destruction, that is our prayer as well. Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and rescued Peter. 
but he also challenged Peter. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Like Peter, we too are of little faith. We too doubt. This side of heaven, our trust and belief in Jesus are imperfect and flawed at best. Thanks be to God, Jesus did not push Peter away for his lack of faith, and neither does Jesus push us away for our lack of faith. As the word of the Lord reminds us, the bruised reed he will not break, the dimly burning wick he will not quench. And that's what we often are in life that bruised reed, that dimly burning wick. But the Lord is not finished with us yet. His word, his sacraments strengthen us and sustain us that we may grow continually in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter's cry to Jesus, Lord, save me, helps us to understand that Jesus is exactly who and what the angel told Joseph before Jesus was ever born. Go back with me to Christmas time, or go ahead with me to Christmas time. In the night, while he slept, an angel of the Lord came to Joseph as he deliberated on what to do. Now that he had found out that Mary, his betrothed, was pregnant, and he was not the father. Remember that story? Mm -hmm. We're told, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And that is what Jesus' very name, Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus, means he saves. And that is so very important for us to remember to hold on to Jesus saves. Jesus has saved us through that, from that triple threat of sin and death and hell through his life-giving death upon the cross. Jesus has opened the kingdom of heaven to all who put their faith and trust in him. As we heard in today's epistle lesson, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 10. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And Jesus promises to be with us always, even in the midst of life's storms, even to the end of the world. So that means 
that our future is secure, come what may, no matter what. May this lead us to do as those first disciples did there in the boat with Jesus, worship him, saying not only with our lips, but with our very lives, truly you are the Son of God. May God make it so for Jesus' sake in your life and in mine. Amen. And the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly, your spirit, your soul, and your body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen.